0: it going today guys back here live in the studio for an episode of hot takes with tp3 today is tuesday may 25th 2021 i am joined once again in the studio by none other than ben gore where it's been say what's up to the people
1: what's going on everybody what's going on it's been a, it's been a great start to the nba playoffs
0: Oh, I mean, this weekend was exactly what the NBA needed competitive games everywhere. I mean, last year, the season kind of bombed and everything, especially in the bubble views are down and everything. I mean, it was also right before football season started. So that didn't really help either with viewership, but like Ben said, it's been an absolutely great playoffs so far been so much fun to watch um, lots of good competitive games. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do our playoff preview, but we were able to drop our picks for those on Twitter. So go look at that if y'all like to, but rather than going down and breaking down every single series game one, we've kind of just picked out some storylines. So we're going to run through everything for y'all with some storylines. And then we'll get to an NFL topic that as y'all probably assume is Atlanta football fans is uh very heavily on our minds today, but let's go ahead and start things off. Like we said, with the NBA, um, I guess the first place we need to start things off on, I mean, there's, like we said, a lot of great teams. But, Ben, out of all these upsets we watched, which team do you think should be the most worried about getting bounced around one?
1: I'm going to go with the Utah Jazz uh, for several reasons. One, I kept telling you – I've said it a couple times on the podcast, but I've texted you multiple times. I think the Jazz are a little bit of a fraudulent one seed. Uh, even mm-hmm. though they were the top seed most of the year, I don't think you can – legitimately say that they're the best team in the West roster wise uh the way they play I just I don't think they're the best team they Had a great regular season but not everyone tries in the regular season you just get to the playoffs and then it's you know zero dark 30 mode for LeBron James but I'm gonna go with Utah Jazz because you know to be honest with you the reports saying that Donovan Mitchell wanted to play could play in game one and the mm-hmm. training staff held him out tells me they didn't think they needed Donovan Mitchell to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they took them, uh, I think they took their opponent too lightly. And this is, I mean, this Grizzlies team, they're going to give you everything they got every single game. John Morant's a guy that is a thrasher going to the basket. He's tough to stop. He's always going to get his. And Dylan Brooks showed that he's a very good two way player. He's tremendous on defense, he made a ton of shots. And I think Valanciunas is an underrated big. I mean, Valanciunas has been the game around the game for a long time. He's a pretty much an automatic double-double. Not the greatest defender, but it's a very good rebounder offensively and defensively. And, and he can hold his own on defense. I wouldn't call Rudy Gobert a great offensive center. Uh, he's obviously more defensive-minded. He might win defensive player of the year for the third time in his career. So I think the Jazz are just relying on, like, hey, we can just plug in Donovan Mitchell, who, yeah, he's their best player. I think they're just. I think they're underestimating the Grizzlies. Like, hey, we didn't think we'd need them game one. You lost, and hey, we can just plug him in game two for the rest of the series, and we're going to be okay. I don't think that's the case. This Memphis Grizzlies team. I'll tell you what. Everyone knows John Morant, but Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson are not to be played with. These guys play unbelievable defense. Kyle Anderson's the guy that played for Greg Popovich for a number of years in the playoffs dylan brooks is a tremendous defender people are taking the grizzlies a little too lightly
0: um i'm actually going to disagree with you on this one ben i don't think utah's in trouble now i will say this i was one of the idiots who after i watched that game when Memphis and golden state did tweet out i wouldn't play donovan Mitchell game one i thought they could handle him without him in the lineup now with that being said i personally am not scared for utah so utah Shot 25% from three, 12 for 47. On the regular season, they had an NBA best 16.7 three-pointers per game, shooting them at 43%, which is also an NBA best. Um, they could not really – or sorry, they shoot – yeah, no, they shoot them at 43%. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I feel like that they really just shot the ball poorly. And on the flip side of things, Memphis is in the lower part of the league in three-point shooting at 11.23s per game. I think Donovan Mitchell in there, and they're and them shooting the ball horribly that night. I think a lot of that cam- comes into play here for, for Utah. Also, Utah hadn't played in a while, and this has been a hot team. Now that being said, I don't think they're necessarily going to blow them out every single game and cruise and walk away with a W. But I don't think there isn't as much trouble as the team that I've picked for this question, which I personally think the team in the most trouble here is the Clippers. And with that being said. I got to come for Kawhi Leonard's throat. Now, I've been known for being an avid Kawhi Leonard hater, but look, I'm going to have the same beef with him that I've always had with him. He's not vocal, and he's not a leader of his team. You notice Paul George, Patrick Beverly, they both try to step up and be leaders. Shoot, I think Rondo's the best suited player to lead this team. I don't think Tyler Lue's either of them in the right head coach for this team. Like, Nick Nurse was the team leader when they all played in Toronto. I mean, you could even argue Kyle Lowry was. Kawhi doesn't like to be vocal and be the team leader. He was scared to guard Luka that entire game. He didn't want anything to do with Luka, and Luka absolutely dominated him. I don't know if you saw or not, but right at the beginning of the game, PBEV tried to rip Luka, and Luka just bullied him, backed him down, turned around and laid it in on him, got the in one, and said, you're too effing small to guard me. Straight in his face, like – Dallas was not Dallas has had a, had a vendetta against this team all season long. Dallas blew them out twice. Lucas scored 50 on them twice in the regular season. They hate each other and they just absolutely came out and they punched the Clippers in the mouth and Kawhi wasn't ready to step up and neither were the Clippers. And that being said, I still think the Clippers can win this series. I think they'll come out tonight and play very motivated but I don't like what I've seen from them. And I feel like this is the exact same Clipper team. Let's put it this way. If they have to run into, they, they, they were scared of LeBron. You don't see LeBron cowering away from them. You know, if LeBron had to play the Clippers in the first round, he'd say, it's my city, it's my city in LA, not y'all's. You know, like me like I feel like they're cowering and hiding behind other teams. Like, when are the Clippers going to get a grip here? I think they're such pretenders. As much as you look at their roster and think their roster is all stacked up and whatnot, they still have yet to translate it once to end game.
1: So I like Kawhi as a player, but I definitely agree with you that, I mean, he's not vocal. That's, that's not who he is. That's, he's never going to change. Um, it, it, that, it is what it is. I think as a player, yeah, he's known to be one of the best two-way players in the NBA, and he needs to play a little bit more defense. But I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy to guard Luka Doncic because throughout an 82-game regular season, he has maybe four bad games. I mean, he, he's tremendous. The way to beat Dallas is you got to shut down everyone else because mm-hmm. Luca likes to dish it out. Now, you know, I'm going to put the blame on, on three other players um, outside of Kawhi. And all three of these players love to run their mouths, and all three of these players don't back it up very often. I'm going to start with the quote-unquote superstar. I don't think he's a superstar, but people think he is. It's Paul George, playoff peak, whatever you want to call him. He was not aggressive to start the game. I think he, he took his first shot five, six minutes into the game. He, he wasn't taking open shots, wasn't driving to the hoop. I mean, this this team needs him. They need him to match Kawhi, um, and they need him to bring more intensity because Kawhi doesn't bring the vocal intensity. Paul George can, but he doesn't. I think you see a more aggressive Paul George in game two. Um, on the other, And Paul George is also a, a very good defender. He's a good two-way player. He needs to show it. The other two are the are might be the two biggest guys that run their mouth in the league. That's Pat Beverly. Uh, I really don't know what this guy brings to the table. Um, he's supposed to be a great defender, yet you see guys score on him all the time now. Um, he's, he, he's gotten be- he's gotten better offensively, but he. I mean, what are you doing running your mouth to Luca? He's got three feet on you, maybe. I mean. You're, you can't guard Luka. So I, the switches that they do, you can't switch Pat Beverly and Luka because he's going to score 10 out of 10 times. Or if he doesn't score, he's going to get a, uh, a dish to an easy three. And the other one is, is Marcus Morris. Is that the one they have? That's the one they have, right? Or is it Marquise? I think it's Marcus. Um, no, they have Marcus Morris. Loves to run his mouth. Love to do it on the Celtics. Does it on the Clippers. I get it. He, he brings the intensity. That's fine. Back it up, because this is a guy that can hit big-time threes in the playoffs. He's a big body. Uh, Him, Kawhi, and Paul George should be guarding Luka, and they should switch off to give Luka different looks. Those three – and they're not – role. I mean, Paul George is not a role player. He's considered a star. What you saw from Paul George in Indiana is not the same Paul George that you have seen since he moved out to L.A. And I don't know if that's going from a blue-collar, hard-working city like Indiana to going – Soft ass West Coast in LA. I don't know what happened to Paul George, but he's not the same. He was a but he was on the verge of being a superstar in Indiana and he is a shadow player since he's been in LA. He wanted to team up with Kawhi because he thought they could win championships. Steve Ballmer, wh- what did they say like three years ago that this is this is gonna be our city? Like, no, it's not. If the Clippers, if the Clippers win a championship, how many people are showing up to that parade? Like, it's a Laker town. <laughs> it's, it's, the same, it's the same thing with the Brooklyn Nets, though. The, the state of New York, outside of Brooklyn itself, is a New York Nick town. The Nets win the championship. There won't be that many people at the parade. And if there are people, it's going to be Knicks fans going to boo. So that's a different story. I'm not worried about the Nets. But the Clippers, yeah, you should be worried about them. Because they dodged LeBron James to get to Luka Dantaj. And I, I guarantee that Rick Carlisle and Luca took offense to that. You, like you want to play us. We're not easy. So listen, Luca's is not easy. You got to shut down Tim Hardaway. Uh, you got to shut down uh, Chris Hupps Porzingis. You got to shut down these role players because Luca's going to get
0: his, he's a superstar. Yeah. Um, ben, you absolutely hammered home the point right there. I agree with every single word you said right there, especially the parade part. That one's hilarious. Um Next, next topic we have here is, Ben, what team impressed you the most from this Saturday and Sunday of games? I'm going to go with the Phoenix
1: Suns. Um,
0: you know, obviously they're the two seed. If you're
1: underestimating them still, I, I don't know what else to say now. I'm one of the people that said I kind of felt bad for the Phoenix Suns because they've had one of the greatest years in, in franchise history, especially in a very long time. And you get rewarded by playing LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which is obviously not ideal. LeBron and AD are not supposed to be a seven seed. And they came out of the gun firing. I thought DeAndre Aiden was fantastic. He took it to AD. I texted you before the series, and I said, AD better not play soft because DeAndre it, it, DeAndre mm-hmm. Aiden is a big human being and a very physical uh, basketball player when he's down low. And AD is a seven-footer that likes to take more jump shots. DeAndre aytons he's going to bully you in the paint if you play soft. And, you know, I get it. LeBron and AD might not be 100% healthy, but they're healthy enough. They're healthy enough that this team should be competing for a championship this year, and I still think they will. But I was impressed with the Suns because even when Chris Paul, their leader, went out, they kept it going. And they ended up winning this game by, was it, I think, nine points. So I'm definitely expecting the Lakers to rebound and play a lot better in game two, but I was very impressed with the Phoenix Suns, specifically DeAndre Ayton um, and Devin Booker, who was their first playoff series, and and they were tremendous.
0: No, I agree with you completely. I was very impressed with everything Phoenix did. And like you said, with Chris Paul getting injured in that game and playing the way he did. I mean, Devin Booker, you know, he was – it was honestly kind of cool to watch the games this weekend. We had a lot of young stars step up in their first career playoff game. You know, Devin Booker's a guy who complained a lot about never making the playoffs and getting disrespect for all-star teams. And he really stepped up and came to play. It felt like the Suns team has punched the Lakers in the mouth and the Lakers could never respond all night. And, I mean, Aiden absolutely embarrassed Anthony Davis, man. I mean, that was – that was definitely one of the more impressive games I watched this weekend. The team I was actually the most impressed with, though, was the Brooklyn Nets. You know, there's a lot of question marks if that their team itself was going to have chemistry, if they are going to be able to come out and play well together, just because, you know, they played, what was it, I think, like seven regular season? Seven. Yeah. Yeah. It was not many. It was like seven regular season games with the whole entire team together, and – They came out, I mean, it looked awful. They scored 16 points in the first quarter. They picked it up a little bit in the second quarter, but in that second half, not only did they pick it up on the offensive end, but the defensive end, they absolutely dominated. I mean, on that defensive end, if they got whatever they wanted. They did whatever they wanted to on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the Celtics team was winning this game, and I mean, the Celtics team looked pretty convincing there in the first half. I mean, it was a completely different game than the second half, and the Nets honestly had terrible defense the entire regular season, but whatever the problem was, they fixed it. The Celtics in the, second, in the third and fourth quarter scored 20 and 20 points. They held them to 40 points in the second half. That is beyond impressive. I mean, this Nets team exploded, and also, too, unlike the Clippers – Kevin Durant has established that he's the alpha and the big dog on this team. Harden and Kyrie both just gave Durant the ball and got out of his way. They know that he's the better player of all of them, and they said, let's go ahead and get our best guy the ball, let him take over, let's let him be our team leader, and KD reminded everybody why he's the second best player on the planet, only to LeBron James, and why he thinks he might be better than LeBron James. not saying he's better, but he definitely thinks he's better and balled out.
1: This team's not going to lose from defense. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, they're not going to lose from their offensive uh, perspective. They're only going to lose a game in the playoffs if their defense intensity doesn't match their offense. Because even if Harden or Kyrie or or Durant, if if two out of three have bad offensive games, you still have the likes of Joe Harris, who can shoot the ball. They have a lot of guys. They have Blake Griffin, who can get you, you know, 10 to 15 points. Um, I mean, they just have so many guys that you're not going to stop them. You just have to try and match them. So. I don't really know how you do it because there's not many guys that can guard uh, the length and the skill that these guys have. I would say the 76ers probably have the best chance because Ben Simmons is a big uh, is an elite defender with, with a big frame that you can put on KD um, and or uh, James Harden. And you also have my T Stiebel, who's another length defender, mm-hmm. elite defender that you can put on one of two of those guys. So, I don't think a lot of teams match up with the Nets very well at all to even remotely stop them. Um, like you mentioned, that, yeah, they started slow; they didn't shoot the ball well in the first half. But it's you play two halves in basketball, and they absolutely exploded in the third quarter, and their defensive intensity picked up.
0: Yeah, no, that that Nets team was so impressive. It was it was awesome to watch how they turned things around the second half. Our third question here. I bet y'all are like, wow, I can't believe it took y'all this long to get this far. But our team that um, impressed you the most and or sorry, the team that um, or the team that, uh, yeah, the team that impressed you the most and kind of overperformed a little bit. This is I'll, I bet y'all expected me to bring this team up a long time in podcast a lot sooner. My Atlanta Hawks our Atlanta Hawks. What an impressive performance, man. I mean, Trey Young, his first career playoff game. I mean, I, I loved just hearing Trey Young talk after the game was over. I mean, Trey Young's entire career, he's been counted out because he's small, because he can't play defense, because this, that, and the other. He didn't back down one bit. 32 points, 10 assists. I mean, he was absolutely leading this team. Hawks got off to a hard, hot start, and then the Knicks got the crowd involved in everything. I mean, the announcers didn't think we didn't even think we were playing against them. They thought it was a Knicks scrimmage with how much they hyped him up the whole game. I mean... Trey Young didn't back down though. It was awesome hearing Lou Will's post-game interview. He said right before the possession happened, Trey kind of looked at me. I looked at him and I was like, "Whatever you do, do not pass the ball on this possession. It's your team. Go win the game." And that's exactly what Trey did. He put his head down. I mean, there's so many crazy moments in this game. I thought Bogey's three out of the timeout was honestly the second biggest shot of the whole game. I mean, we didn't back down one bit. I mean, Alec Burks and then when is he ever going to do that again? You know? And this Knicks bench gave him all those points and everything. I feel like this Knicks team really overperformed and was lucky to even be there in that game and the fact that we played I mean that was not even a good game for the Hawks you know this is a team that averages about 100 and 110 points I mean even 120 points a night and their offense really didn't show up Gallinari and Bogey really couldn't hit anything all night long yet somehow we found a way to get it done I was beyond impressed with this Hawks team
1: yeah I mean Bogey definitely turned it up especially in the second half he had a couple big threes uh, I mean, the Hawks did great. Like you said, they underperformed a little bit because they didn't play their greatest game, but they got the job done. So for, for my team that underperformed a little bit but got it done, uh, I think there's two teams you can talk about. Uh, you can go Bucks game one, but I'm going to go to 76ers. 76ers, I don't want to even know if they deserve to win that game. I, the Wizards played one of the best games that yeah. they could have played. And yeah, they lost. So, I I mean, I'm going to go with the 76ers. They didn't, I don't think they played very well at all. I think the 76ers played like their B minus game and yeah, they got it done, but they're so much more talented than the wizards. I mean, the wizards have essentially like they have Russell Westbrook um, and Bradley Beal and the 76ers have a lot of guys that can slow down Bradley Beal. I mentioned Thibault. I mentioned Ben Simmons earlier. The 76ers, that might be the worst that they play in the series, and they still got it done. I'm going to go with them because I think if they can win playing like that, I think they got a sweep, if not uh, finishing the Wizards off in five games pretty easily.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. I thought Philadelphia played impressive just for the fact of. Like you said, you know, the Wizards were leading at the half. The Wizards kept pushing and pushing. I mean, this Wizards team's on fire. It's a team that me and Ben have been talking about for weeks now as being one of the hottest teams in the league and being one of the fun, most underrated teams. But like you said, you know, Tobias Harris really kind of carried this offensive load, and Philadelphia abused them inside. Like we said, I guess we technically didn't say it because we didn't do the podcast, but like we were texting that Philadelphia had the huge mismatch inside. Once Gafford got in foul trouble, they really couldn't do anything anymore inside and stop their offensive attack. I was very impressed with Philadelphia. I mean, I think every game in this series will be competitive, but at the same time, I'd be shocked if the Wizards won more than two games after watching how that one played out. I mean, the fact – you're watching, you're sitting there in the, in the locker, and you're like, damn, we gave them everything we had, and that's the closest we could get. I mean, this Philadelphia team is damn good. This is not the Philadelphia team of old. Um, they, got, they,
1: got a, they got a lot of talent, and they brought in some really nice pieces. But I thought Danny Green was a tremendous guy to bring in. He's got a ton of playoff experience. He's hit a lot of big shots. And I think George Hill. I, George Hill is a tremendous backup point guard to have in the postseason. He's, he's played a lot of postseason games. He doesn't turn the ball over. He takes efficient shots. He He's a really nice piece to come off the bench.
0: No, I agree completely. And Honestly, I forgot he's on the 76ers because once they got him, he was injured there for a while, and he started playing kind of in the games at the end of the season, you know, once well, Max he was Philadelphia. Max, he
1: was also playing pretty well.
0: Terry well. played
1: well. So George Hill, they weren't really rushing him back. But in the postseason, man, I mean, Tyrese Max is going to play. He's earned minutes. But he's still a young guy. I mean, George Hill has been there a lot. Ben Simmons is not much of a scorer. So you can play George Hill and Ben Simmons in a two-guard lineup all
0: you want. No, I agree completely. And like you said, George Hill's got tons of playoff experience. He had pretty much every single team. I'm pretty sure every single team he's ever played for has been a playoff team, crazy enough. So George Hill's always been lucky with that. Um, last one here is what series do you think is going to go seven?
1: I'm going to go back to the beginning. I'm going to go Utah jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. Listen, I'm not going to talk about this in depth because I went into it already. This Memphis team is not going to go away. You're going to get everything you, they got your every single game. They're going to play hard. I think they're, I think their coach is like 36 or 34 years old, by the way. Which is really impressive to be where he's at. I think they play great as a collective unit. I think their leader, John Morant, is just—he's a dog. He's a guy that's—he's gonna fight. He's gonna get everything you got. And I know that this team went zero and three against the Jazz in the regular season, but the playoff is a different animal. The Jazz are—I mean, not the Jazz. The Grizzlies are playing great basketball. They, like you mentioned, they had the momentum coming in because. Basically their last week and a half, two weeks of the regular season were a playoff fight. They had to win as many games as they could to get in. They got in while the jazz were resting. Listen, I think Donovan Mitchell is a very good player. I don't see Donovan Mitchell as just like a knight in shining armor armor wearing a cape. That's just going to save the jazz season. I get that. They didn't shoot that well, but I also am going to give credit to the Memphis defense because I think the Memphis Grizzlies played great defense and listen if Dylan Bruce can, I'm not saying he's got to play that well because I'm pretty sure he had a career night. But if he's a good shooter, you got Desmond Bain who led the NCAA last year from TCU in three point percentage. I'm pretty sure he's a. I think he even led all rookies in three point percentage in the uh, in the uh, regular season this year. This Grizzlies team can. Sh- I know that they don't shoot a lot of threes, but they play good defense. They play together as a team, and I think they can really push these Jazz team to the brink.
0: Yeah, um, I like the takes there by you, Ben. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I think I think that this Grizzlies team is underrated, but at the same time, I still think Utah is going to get done six, to be honest with you. I think Memphis can take one more, but I'm seeing more six games here in this series. I mean, Memphis does fight hard. You're a little bit higher on them than I am. I just feel like that their inability to shoot three-point balls what's going to come back to bite them. But, I mean, this team really doesn't know any better. I think these games are going to be hard-nosed, tough, you know, hard-fought, grinded-out defensive kind of games. I mean, final score of that game I think was like 97-93. So they didn't even break 100 points, which is pretty rare on today's NBA. So I think it's going to be a hard-fought one. I don't know if we'll go seven, though. I really think that Utah is going to get back on track here and be the one seed that they are. But, hey, we've seen the one seed go down before in the West. Don't oh, forget the Grizzlies a couple of years ago when they had Zach Randolph took down the number one seed in Spurs in the first round. So it definitely has been done. Um, For my series, it's going seven. Um Last night was even more proof of it to me. I think Portland and Denver is definitely going to go seven. Yeah. Denver played oh, yeah. absolutely awful in the first game. I mean – I don't even know how Denver still does it, honestly. Like, they had Marcus Howard in there playing. Austin Rivers was in their starting lineup. Their starting point of backcourt is, like, Compazzo, Austin Rivers, and I can't even remember. Oh, and Michael Porter Jr., and then they have Joker and, and uh, Aaron Gordon. So it's kind of like a makeshift lineup. They're still deep, though, with a decent bench, but they should get Will Thrill-Barton back here in game three, which will add another scoring element to their offense. But, look, Portland – is second in offensive rating, but they're 29th in defense, you know? So Portland's thing is they don't play defense. I think all that says is we're going to see a fun competitive series here. I think it's going to end up in Portland beating Denver in seven. But, I mean, I think these games are going to stay at a high level. Lots of offense, not a lot of defense, lots of scoring, lots of running up and down the court. Last night they kind of threw a different look at them with Aaron Gordon. We'll see how Portland counters. But I expect them to split again back in Portland. I expect each team to keep winning at home. Then I think in game seven it's going to be Dame time.
1: I mean, L- Lillard was
0: – he was
1: unconscious in the first half last night. I think he had yeah. 35 in the first half or something like that.
0: Yeah, he had 20-something in the second quarter. It was crazy.
1: Yeah, he finished with 42. So, I mean, he had a great game, just not as big of a second half. I it's, it's hard to repeat that when you score 32 in the – or 35, whatever I said in the, in the first half, whatever he had. I mean, this series is so even, man. It's – Lillard, he just pulls off of the logo casually. And it just drains it. I mean, it's – he's something special. He's something special. Now, listen, I I definitely think – I don't think the Grizzlies and the Jazz have, like, the best chance to go seven. You and I are trying to give a little bit different answers to the viewers. And I think the Grizzlies are just going to play up tough all the way through. That's why I'm saying that. I think the Clippers and I think the uh, Clippers Mavericks series is a very good chance to go seven, Um, especially if we see a different Clipper team tonight because I think – and you know, I don't know if we're talking about the other games, but I'll mention this because I, you know, I talk about this all the time. Role players always play better at home. The yep. team you, I, I know that the Bucks are better than the Heat this year, but the the game you saw in Game Two last night from the Heat, that's not who the Miami Heat are. The role players are going to play better at home. Jimmy Butler's a fantastic leader. So Eric Spoelstra is a fantastic leader. Um, if Pat Riley has to get involved and use his voice, he's one of the uh, smartest, smartest guys to ever play and coach and be in a front office in NBA history. So I think the Heat will play much better. I think the Mavericks, if they lose tonight, will play better at home. Um, I think you'll see a different Knicks team. To, um, they play Wednesday against the Hawks. Julius Randle did not play that well in terms of shooting. Um, we'll see these series kind of settle in at one point. It, you know, the first couple of games are kind of feeler games. And I think for any road team that wins game one, you're sitting pretty. You did everything you did everything you were supposed to do and, and you could ask for it. Because as long as you don't go back 0-2, you have a very good chance to win this series. So I think the team who wins game one wins like 70-something
0: percent of the time. Yeah. No, it, def- it definitely is. I agree with you completely, though. These teams that lost these game ones at home, I mean, yeah, you just gave that stat, but still, I mean, it's feeler games. Like we said, you know, shit happens game one. It's all about game two. Honestly, at the end of the day, all you have to do is defend home court and steal one on the road, you know. That's what it always comes down to. So, you Do we have a Chris back. Paul – do we have a Chris Paul update? He's playing tonight. I mean, he says a separated shoulder is what they said. So, I mean – So, it, can it, you shoot?
1: Like, what is it – I don't know what that means. I mean, he – didn't he – he said, I I thought I heard a crack. I mean, what does that mean, Chris? Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I – without him, I, I don't know how much of a chance – like, if he – he's going to play. But – if he can't be effective, if he's only going to take, you know, five to eight shots a game, the Suns' chances decrease because I mean, the Lakers are going to turn it up. It's it's LeBron James. He's, I would be very shocked if the Suns win game two. I
0: don't know. We'll see what happens. I took the Suns tonight. I like them as a home dog. So I just feel like you're being disrespected at home right now if you're Phoenix. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I definitely the think line, the Lakers the still in the series.
1: The line uh, was minus two for Phoenix game one. I think it's minus two for the Lakers game two. So I, I would assume a lot of that has to do with Chris Paul not being 100% and LeBron coming off a vengeance game. Um, I don't know how many times LeBron has been down 0-2 in his career. I cannot imagine
0: it's happened too often. So, I mean, I'm going to ride with the king tonight. I can't blame you there. It's gonna be It's going to be a fun one to see what happens there. The last topic we have to get today on today's podcast is one, me and Ben both have a lot of thoughts about. Um, so I don't know if y'all watch the worst talk show on, on sports TV that um, is called undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. So Shannon Sharp gives Julio Jones a call during the show and kind of calls him up. And basically Julio says he wants to win and that he wants to go somewhere where he can win. And, I mean, Ben and I, being Falcons fans, are not very happy about that. There's a lot of things wrong with it. Ben, what do you, what, what do you think about this? Like, uh, how pissed off are you? What do you think about the whole Julio situation in Atlanta? What's up? I mean, first of all, it's not shocking that, that Julio wants out.
1: He requested a trade maybe a month ago, a couple of weeks ago, and Atlanta said they were going to explore some trade options. Like, listen, Julio has done everything a Falcon fan, everything the Falcons organization has asked for. Since he's been drafted, he's been very loyal to the city, to the fan base, to the team. He does not bring negative attention to himself. He does not get in trouble off the field. And I know that he doesn't play every single game because of injuries, but he has played through a ton of injuries on the field throughout his Atlanta Falcons career. Julio is absolutely an Atlanta Falcons legend. Now, the part I have an issue with is actually the same problem that the law has an issue with. It is simply illegal for Shannon Sharp to not tell Julio Jones that he's on live TV on speakerphone. It's illegal. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure Julio Jones is not going to press charges because I'm sure him and Shannon Sharp are boys. That's why Shannon Sharp called them on a cell phone. I'm not mad about Julio, what he said, because you and I and and everyone who pays attention to the Falcons knows that Julio wants to win and go somewhere else. And the Falcons don't present the best chance to do that. That's fine. I have a problem with the way Shannon Sharp and them did it. And by the way, if you listen to the full clip, he never would have said something if, and I apologize for not knowing her name, but the woman, the, the moderator on the show said, does he know you're on live TV? And then Shannon Sharp said it, but he also went into another point right after. So Julio, I'm not even sure if he heard it. Now, some people think it was staged. I can't prove that it was or was not. But I can tell you this, that Julio Jones has been nothing but a professional he's been, and he's had nothing but a strong and positive relationship with Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, since he's been drafted. Julio once said not too long ago that he wants to be at an Atlanta Falcon for life. Arthur Blank said, we'd love to have you. We're going to work out a deal. The Atlanta Falcons promised Julio Jones a couple of years ago that they would go all in to try and get back to the Super Bowl. The team tried. They failed. That happens in sports all the time. It's okay. I get it now that now that they're going to trade Julio, you're not going to get the max out of them. I don't think they're going to get a first-round pick. That's just that's just where the cards lie at this point. They went all in. They I don't know how hard they tried because they weren't that good the past couple of years, but they tried to get back. They tried to keep Matt and Julio together to keep pushing and keep pushing, and it failed. That's okay. I, I'm hoping the Falcons – I'm going to guess that they could get – and I have no idea. This is off the top of my head. I've, I'm not very good at predicting NFL traits. It's a very complex situation in the NFL. But I think the Falcons can possibly get a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a defensive starter, or whoever they want in return. But I would assume they want a defensive starter. I think Julio Jones is worth that much. Now, there's been reports, none from – a verified source so take this lightly that he's interested in the Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if I completely understand those two teams because I don't know if the Patriot, if I look at the Patriots as the clear favorite in their division, I don't when Cam Newton's playing quarterback. Definitely not. And, and the Titans, while they have a very good offense, they're coming off of, they're losing their offensive coordinator, who who's now the Falcons head coach. So they have a new guy calling plays, and the Tennessee defense is not that good. I don't know where they rank. Now, it's better than the Falcons defense. I don't know where the Tennessee de- defense ranked last year. But, I mean, that'll be a hell of an offensive team with Ryan Ten- – uh, Ryan Teller is going to be loving life if they get Julio Jones. Because now he's got Julio, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry. His job became that much easier. So I don't know if I really understand those two teams – the Patriots might have to do with a Belichick and Sabin connection. Plus they have a, a decent amount of Bama players there. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I'm guessing. I think what Shannon Sharp and, and uh, Skip Bayless and in, in the show undisputed did, I think was despicable. I think it was yep. unprofessional. Um, but no, I, I don't blame Julio Jones for wanting out. I think he's been loyal. I think he's done his time in Atlanta. If he wants to win now that he's 31 years old, he absolutely deserves that right. And the Falcons are okay with it because they're hurting in cap space, and this is not the new GM's fault, not the head coach's fault. It, it, it there's not like a pinpoint guy you can blame. I guess maybe the old GM. Um, the Falcons are just a mess right now, and Julio wants out. I understand that, so I don't blame Julio. Um, I I don't care where he goes. Someone asked me, would I would I be mad if he went to the Patriots? Obviously, because the Patriots beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. No, I. I Julio deserves to go for a Super Bowl. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He deserves to have a ring on his finger.
0: So first off, I'm gonna I've I am i i want to agree with Ben on this point. That was the like most despicable and like just BS move ever by Shannon Sharp by doing that on live TV. I mean, <laughs> I'm not even saying it because they did it on live TV to begin with. That is easily the worst sports talk show on TV. Every time I sit there and watch it, I'm like, Shannon Sharp is just a worse version of Stephen A. Smith. And what's-his-face Skip Bayless doesn't even have a clue what the hell he's even talking about. So, I mean, like, literally, you know, watching that show, to my opinion, is completely worthless. Second off, Julio definitely deserves to go to the best situation possible. But... I think honestly that he's mad that the new, I think he felt like that we, you know, we finally were in more of a win now position with what we have going on this year. And I think he's pissed off that his name was being drugged through the mud, you know, in trade rumors. And I think this is kind of his way of saying, like, look, when Arthur Blank had Dimitrov, when we had Dan Quinn, even when we had Mike Smith, like, this didn't happen. I think he's kind of like, F you guys, like, I'm the best wide receiver in the game. Like, you don't try to trade me. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and he never complained, never. Through exactly. all those
1: bad coaches, through all that bad leadership, through all those uh, games lost, never complain.
0: Never once. So, you know, I get it. I, I really don't want Julio's time to end this way in Atlanta. I wish we could at least get a first-round pick from him if we have to end up trading him. So, I mean, all that sucks. But, I mean, it just really is, like you said, like we've had such good times with Julio. He's been here for the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows in Atlanta, you know, with this football team. He's been here for probably some of our best years, and – I know him and Matt Ryan are probably boys. If it's time to move on, it sucks. I hope we get a first-round pick for him. But, you know, I think Julio deserves the best, so let's give him what he wants. And, I mean, this is coming from a guy who owns three Julio Jones jerseys, so that's tough.
1: If if you trade Julio, what's what's the main sales pitch to keep Matt Ryan? Well, I'm not saying saying just getting rid of Julio Jones makes Dean that much worse. Obviously, it does. I mean, they still have a good offense. Good, yeah. not great without Julio, but they, they do have a good offense. Um, and defense is the problem. But I mean, this team's projected to win seven, seven and a half games. I think is what Vegas had them at. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can't win a half a game. But if they're projected to win s- between seven and eight games with Julio, you would imagine. I mean, two like two less wins, maybe five, six wins without Julio. You know what I mean? Um. So do you go full rebuild and try and rebuild within a one to two year? I I mean, you keep Matt. I mean.
0: I feel like at this point, there's not really anywhere you can trade Matt Ryan right now. Also too, I know with Matt Ryan and Julio's contracts, if you trade both them, you have to wait like um, a certain, I think it's till like July because they hit the cap differently on some stupid cap rule with the NFL. But honestly, I mean, if we trade Matt Ryan, unless we get a quarterback back in return, we easily have the worst. Oh, you would.
1: No, you would. You would go after a guy that you believe in, obviously.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we would literally have the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So, I mean, I I don't think we should trade Matt Ryan regardless. I still think we have a chance, even if we don't have Julio in there. Julio is injured a lot, but I mean, I think with Julio Ridley and Kyle Pitts on the field, we're definitely a different team. I think we have to try to do something to fix this relationship with Julio. We need to do everything we can to fix things. I mean, I still think it, it he hasn't said it's non-fixable. So I'm honestly just hoping for a chance that we can fix it. What do you think?
1: I mean, I I would love to try and fix it. You don't ever want to trade a guy like Julio Jones, but it it does make sense to trade him. This team is not going to win many games with him. Mm-hmm. They haven't in the past couple of years. So, you know, I, I don't know. I I personally would trade them, but I wouldn't do a deal unless it absolutely makes sense. And and the Falcons get everything that they want in return.
0: I agree with that too. And
1: I don't, I don't know what that means. I I don't, I mean, if they traded Julio, got a second round, fourth round and a defensive starter in
0: return, is that enough for you? I mean, yeah, I would say honestly, that is enough for me. As long as it's a good defensive starter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it, you know, I don't know. I mean, like if you want to speculate and say he goes to the Patriots, I mean, I don't know. Who who do you ask for in return?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I heard do you
1: want? Like, yeah, I mean, do you I knew I figured you were gonna say Gilmore, but Gilmore's getting up there in age. I don't know what getting an older corner for a team that's not in win now mode necessarily does. I would want someone a little bit younger, but I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I hate speculating trades. I kind of just let them talk it out and then I'll react based on what happens.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I'd rather kind of see what all is on the board and whatnot, but I mean, I honestly really have no idea what what trade makes sense. I mean, I've heard maybe trade him to Arizona. Um, there's There's been all kinds of trades all, all over the place, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's even rumors that Aaron Rodgers is trying to go build his own super team somewhere, so I mean, I'd yeah. love, I'd love to trade Julio to San Francisco and get Nick Bosa in return. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, like
1: that's—I don't think that's realistic.
0: Yeah, I don't think Bosa would be on the table, but we'll see how everything plays out ultimately. Um, anything else today we should bring up before we get up out of here, Ben?
1: I think I'm good. I mean, you know, I, I actually I'll say this: I know that you don't necessarily pay attention to the sport of hockey. But if there's anyone that is listening, or anyone that's just interested, the NHL playoffs are phenomenal. They are an A-plus sporting event every single year. Every single year. It is exciting. It is thrilling. There are so many overtime games. There are so many rivalries. It's, I think it's the only sport where you try to beat the shit out of each other, and then you shake hands after. I mean, everything you want, I, I – I do recommend if you have more than one TV in your home setup or wherever you watch games, I recommend putting a basketball game on and having the sound on that. If you prefer the NBA, I do recommend putting an NHL game on. You don't have to listen to it if you don't want to, but I promise you, you will like what you watch. It is so much fun, even if you have no idea what's going on. Just watch. It's so thrilling.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not gonna lie, I'm not a big hockey guy, but at least now we can say we mentioned hockey on the podcast. There we go. Tune
1: in. I'm telling yeah.
0: you. I'm exactly. telling you. It's, it's, it's great. It's, hey,
1: it's great.
0: Hey, between the MLB and the NBA, if I can find some time, I might have to watch some, but ben... eight o'clock
1: Eastern time tonight. My Nashville Predators <laughs> face the Carolina Hurricanes. It's two to two. Tune in. I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed.
0: High chance I don't tune in, but to all who (laughs) tune in, I hope you guys enjoy it. Ben, always a pleasure talking sports with you, my friend. Thanks, man.
1: Actually, I will be at the Braves game in Fenway Park tomorrow. So go Braves.
0: Hey, everyone look for Ben on TV catching a foul ball tomorrow, so go Braves. But we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.